Welcome back to the Discovering Forestry podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Lofi, alongside Joe Aitken. Joe, happy end of June, early July. How are you? I'm, I'm good. It's, you know what? It's kind of hard to believe you said that. I can't believe that June is racing by. You know, yeah. We talk about uh, getting excited about the industry and the industry came and man, it's flying. So, but you know, all in all, good. You know, it's, it's as busy, if not busier. Uh, now, you know, we'll kind of get into why we think it is, but you know, it's good. I'm positive. Let's, you know, people are killing bugs. It, you know, it's just saving trees, killing bugs. Yeah. You know what? It was weird. There's a lot of new stuff that I, you know, guys that I've known for a long time are scratching their head on. Um, really interesting, really interesting, but yeah, it's amazing that June is just about over. So half this, half the plant healthcare season has come and gone. And then we got to start looking for the second half. So good stuff. Good stuff, buddy. Yeah. Here we go. Entering into the third quarter. I'm sure by the time that this episode airs, it's going to be close to, or just after the 4th of July. So hopefully all our listeners got a chance to take in some time with their families and their friends and uh, make sure you tell a veteran if you haven't yet, thank you for their sacrifice and their family's sacrifice and, and just everything that makes our country so great and gives us so many freedoms, especially talking about trees. So that's what we're here to do tonight is just talk about trees. Uh, what's going on in the industry, Joe? What are you seeing? You know, it's, it's, uh, we're, I was talking to some colleagues and we're talking about, um, you know, what, what are we, look, you know, biggest thing is right now, I will honestly say is that we're shorthanded in this industry. Yes. Um, and it's all the way from the, you know, the bottom to the top. Um, we just can't find employees. And it's not just the green industry. It's probably just about all trades. You know, the economy is pretty solid. There's a lot of work to be done. We just can't find people to do it. So hopefully maybe we can kind of, let's take our, let's take the podcast. Let's take the chat in that direction. Um, where's everybody at buddy? <laughs> you know, where are the people? Come on. We got, we got something for you. So exciting stuff to do. Where's everybody at? Well, and I know a lot of companies in this part of the world didn't get their H2Bs this year. COVID's tough. You know, unemployment checks go out. There's so many different factors. And I don't, you know, without getting political on anybody and pushing our agenda. And I think people are starting to learn more about our industry, but it's not, like you said, it's not fast enough to keep up with the demand. There's so much work to be had in the green space that we just, we need people to fill it, qualified people to fill it. You know, and, and another, you know, when working, because you and I both have a unique perspective on the industry. One, we've, um, we spent a lot of our time working in the industry as um, part of the industry. But now in our current roles, we more or less supply the industry with tech, tools, knowledge. Um, it's it's interesting that not only has it became hard to get somebody to hire as an applicator, a climber, um, it's even hard right now for our, our distribution network to find people. Oh yeah. It, everywhere. Every, it's a shortage. We are in a human shortage. 
you think you'd never would have said that? No. You know, and I understand that there's a lot of aspects of the green industry, especially in agriculture and forestry, you know, not just urban forestry, but traditional forestry that it could be a laborious job. Um, but it's a great job, but we're just not getting the look. Mm. I think uh, arbor culture and urban forestry deserves. And where does that fall on? Whose responsibility? Where do, who, how do we, how do we get the look? You know, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm scratching what three hairs left I got on top of my head, but you know, I love what we do and I love doing the podcast. I love talking trees. We've had some amazing guests. We've talked about some amazing topics. Um, what is there, what else can we do, Corey? Where, where do, which direction do we go? Where do we find the, the heartbeat to get someone to say, come on over, come on, give it a go. <laughs> it's funny you say that because working with one of the tree services in Denver, I saw the sign out front said, we're so short on qualified staff that long haired people need apply. <laughs> what was that? Do you remember there's a, there's a, a folk song. I can't remember who, Sang it back in the six, yeah. six, 60s or 70s, but he had to put his hair up in his hat. And Well, they, they used to sing uh, long-haired uh, hippie people, no need to apply. Whatever that, yeah, that what was. What song probably, was it? Uh, you know, we'll have to check with our producer, Kara. Maybe we'll, we'll put that in, our, our fact-checking producer, Kara. Maybe we'll put that in in the show notes. But, Joe, you're, you're 100% right. And I know one of our future guests that we'll have on at some point in July is actually going to be one of my professors from the university who really opened up my eyes to the different opportunities that we had in, in this industry. And I think it, it just needs to start with that. It needs to start with making people aware that there is a position there. There is a whole field of interest that they might not have been exposed to, but the big thing is, can you, can they pass the test? Can, can that seasonal or that, that entry level person who's probably coming in, and as a ground technician, right, or as a, a groundy, ground soldier, ground tech, whatever you want to call him yeah. or her. Um, so, what's qualified to get at a minimum? How do we get? How do we get them to be ground techs? And then maybe we'll talk about what makes a good ground tech. I think the most important thing, and I had a, I, this was a recent discu uh, discussion with a, um, a really strong tree care company in Southeast Michigan. Camelot Tree, good friend of mine. Uh, we were kind of laughing about it. I says, well, you know, Clint, what, do you, what is your requirement? And he says, be honest with Joe right now, if they come through the door, um, they, they can pass, uh, you know, a, a screening, valid driver's license, and I can insure them. If they got a heartbeat, we'll hire them. Wow. So it's it's got that dire. And I'm not saying that, that's pretty bare bones. The work is there. He needs employees to work. And I, you know, what is it the way you got to go through 12 guys, hire 12 different guys, put them through the training, get them ready to go. And, and maybe one will stick. I don't know, but we're at a point in this, in this industry that you just gotta, you gotta take more chances on more people. Um, and then it's not as much, is taking chance on that individual that is looking for employment. 
you need to have a staff in place that's willing to put them under their wing and make it in a, a make it an environment where it is educational. You know, I I know what it was like when I got in the business, and um, you're talking 35 plus years ago. To be a groundie was brutal, man. You just got berated. Oh yeah. Oh, climber would. You know, back then, a climber wouldn't touch a branch. But we've, we've evolved to such an amazing team atmosphere in this industry. Now, don't get me wrong. If I understand, like I was a hell of a good groundie because obviously I was taught to take pride no matter what you do. You know, I learned that in the Marine Corps. If I was going to scrub toilets today, that was going to be the cleanest toilet you ever sat on. You know, takes pride. Take pride in yourself. Take pride in your cleanup as a groundie. You know? you're hitting the key basic bare necessities. And I, I became a ground soldier and that was my favorite. That was one of my favorite jobs because it, it, the industry was new and it was fresh to me and it was learning all these new skills and the new ways that things, if the culture welcomes it and the climber is accepting and wants to be a teammate and really wants to see you progress or, or really wants to be safe in a tree, they're going to trust their ground technicians and to, to be willing to work, to come through the door, to be able to put up with some of the industry talk, some of the, you know, some people would call it locker room talk, but some of the industry talk, um, something I have on, on my list, and these are just basic before we really dive in, but uh, be sober and willing to sweat. Just if you can do that, and it's, to us, that sounds so basic. You know, like you said, the, the basics. A good climber, and I know a lot of them, they're amazing athletes, uh, aerial arborists that are up there just doing the job. They're only as good as the ground tech that can run the lines to keep them safe. So there is that communication. I think you and I have talked about that in the, in the, in the past, that, but you got to get them in the door. You got to get them excited about it. You got to get them to understand exactly what they're doing and give them pride in it. Yeah, and, and coach them, coach them when everybody's on the ground as, as a, as a ground soldier, coach them when you're on the ground. It, some of the most important things that you can do as a ground tech. And, and like Joe and I are talking about, we don't know if you're a climber trying to enroll ground techs, maybe, maybe you're a new ground soldier just coming into the game. Learn a few of the knots and learn how to set up a porter wrap at the, at the bare minimum. A few knots, I mean, a clove hitch, a bowline. What else do you think, Joe? What just necessary? Yeah, I, you know, obviously a bowline, running bowline, clove hitch, sending up his water bottle. Um, you know, figure eight stopper knot. Uh, what you just said there, sending up the water bottle. Man, I know one of, one of our listeners, uh, Jason Duff in Virginia, huge, he's a fan of the show, but he let me ground for him, and I was adamant. I would set a timer on my, you know, on my phone. I would send up water, whether he wanted it or not, and I'd say, it's 100 degrees, you're, you know, put it down, Duff, and uh, that's, that's part of how we learned how to tie knots, but he was also really good at communicating to, to me. Um, you know, we'd set up the Porter wrap, but he was really good at saying, Hey, Corey, three wraps on this one, two wraps, two wraps and let it ride. And understood the weight, yes. the weight of that branch or that log 
the, how much re- resistance was needed so you didn't Superman your way across the backyard. The, yeah, and he <laughs> – and I was so green that I remember on one of the first jobs – you know, he, he looked down as he was kind of making that, making that back cut and he goes, ah, don't wrap it around your arm. Don't wrap it around. Cause I was getting ready to, you know, to pull the thing, but having a really good climbing arborist or, or, you know, tree climber that can do their job, communicate to that groundy. Cause it's, it's tough, you know, clear, clear the zone, all clear or headache or whatever you got to call. Um, cause yeah. You're a team out there. That's what it's going to take. And you know what? It's, it, and it was always as a ground man for me because um, I had a lot of pride in it. We talked about pride, making sure that he was safe up there. And there was, a, I'll tell you a quick story. I was working with a good buddy of mine, Joe, Joe Gallardo. I think he's still in the business. And uh, we rigged out a nice, nice silver maple in his backyard. I think it was a silver, but so he had a 34. 30 plus foot bowl left and we started to chunk it out because we're in a tight spot. So he was kind of snap cutting 16 inch pieces out till we get it down to regulate and we can flop that, that bowl. And uh, he got down, he was taking a bigger piece and I was watching him. And you know what? I was in the business a few years now and I'm this ground guy. I'm running the ropes. You know, we got the, I, I don't think we had a porter rack, but so he made the notch, but he was still tied in above them. So they would make the notch and then he would come down, buck in, you know, retrieve his, his, but he started the back cut and he never had bucked in and he was still tied into the top of the tree. Oh no. So I remember running across the backyard because of, uh, you know, I had enough experience. I grabbed the tail end of his climbing line and started yanking at it. Like I was yanked him right out of his spurs, man. He shut this off, but he started F bombing me and blah, blah, blah. And I remember telling him, look at what you're doing, Joe. Hmm. And he stopped and he looked up. Turn ghost white came down and I had to finish the job. So it's not as, you know, we have to realize how important we are on the ground when you have someone that's on your team above you, you know, ask the question. He's, he's just as safe as not flopping something on you as you are about him taking, you know, you taking care of him. So there is a team and getting started in the industry, you may drag a lot more brush than you thought you would but you'll earn the right to ascend to a tree when the day comes. And, and those are important steps to take, Joe. You've got to go through the process and go through the steps. It gives you an appreciation, but I think it also gives you an understanding for how that job can be done. And every, every climber is a little bit different. I've, I've gotten to ground tech for a few, and every climber is a little different, uh, but equipment, safety, one of the, one of the things that, I learned pretty quick from a different climber during my time in Minneapolis was anytime you're going to send up a saw or pull a saw off the truck, it better, it better be oiled, fueled, you know, choke it, give it a, give it a start, make sure it's warmed up a little bit. Cause man, for anybody who's climbed and this is where ground techs, you know, watch the climber, but for anybody who's, who's, who's climbed, there's nothing worse than getting in that, getting in the top of the tree after having just pulled up a saw, hopefully your groundy can put it on. Right. And then you're sitting there and it's out of fuel or you make two cuts and wow. It's the oil caps not on tight and all the bar oil dripped on his pants while he's up there. (laughs) Or you put the bar, you put gasoline, two stroke fuel where the bar oil should go. Oh yeah. Burn up a saw. I've seen that. I've seen that. 
<laughs> just so if 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 you're pulling a saw off the truck and maybe your crew your climber will direct you better on what what he or she prefers but when you pull a saw off the truck just run through the basic chains tight you got the oil where it needs to be the fuel where it needs to be give it a couple pull starts let it warm up so that your climber can do his job safely and he's not blowing out his shoulder or his elbow or her elbow trying to trying to get going you know another good thing is that a ground guy can be really good at is uh stubs oh, um, yes. locating a stub or locating um you know uh, that that's where the dialogue once you're once you guys create such a good work environment i remember you know when i was you know in production How's it look, Joe? Uh, man, hey, Bill, can you get look two two uh two crotches up right above your head? That looks like a stub. Oh yeah, great, thanks, got it. Because there's nothing worse than being a climber, being in the tree for three hours, coming down, and he gets down and looks up. He's like, "Don't, God, what you got? He's going back for a hanger for a hanger. How many times yeah. you do that?" <laughs> so. So, friends, what a hanger is is when the climber will make a cut or maybe there's a dead limb in the tree already and it doesn't make its way all the way to the ground. So I get, I get, I get pretty good with a couple of pull, dielectric pull saws and, you know, you go fishing for it. But sometimes the, the climber appreciates that. Yeah, so it's, it's a great team. Um, and I think in this industry, there may be a preconception that you're going to walk in and just be a climber. Yeah. Or, um, you know, we're talking about the, um, the physical side, the pruning removal side. You know, let's chat a little bit about the science side. I'm not saying that climbing, because there's a science to uh, pruning and rigging. Right. I'm talking about the, uh, the bio side, the biology side, the health side, the insect and disease management side, the abiotic, biotic side to understanding why is that tree failing side um i when i had a chance to talk to my buddy clint today um he had a son with him his son just graduated from high school and he's uh clint and him took a spray rig out uh he, his son was dragging brush for a few summers and just didn't have the desire that wasn't in his wheelhouse so when we think about tree, the tree care industry, or um, there's other facets. Oh yeah, you know, you maybe you get into the bio side, the the Sherlock Holmes side, the the Lucian side, and that works hand in hand with the other side of the company. So it, yeah. it ties together the picture that you and I talk about all the time, Joe. Is what makes the ideal tree geek and tree care professionals being able to tie it all together and plant health care depends what company you're in and where you are in the country. I get that, but there are some seasonal and some entry level positions for plant health care. So, you know, what does that look like? What are some good qualities that, that a, a good brand new plant health care technician should have other than the basic has a pulse willingness to learn, doesn't mind breaking a sweat. Yeah, you know, it's good because there's, there's other credentials you have to have when you start uh, spraying or applying compounds to trees. So uh, there's got to be a willingness to study. Yeah. Um, a willingness to learn, a willingness to self-teach yourself. 
and operate on your own, right? Because a lot of these folks just get a route and some work orders and, hey, this is how you turn on, this is how you turn on the motor. Here's how you turn on the pump and go. Yeah. And what, what do you hit? What don't you hit? I, I was laughing at one of my first, as a, I had a, a pesticide applicator's card when I first got in the tree business. Because when I got out of the Marine Corps, I, w- I worked a season or two with my brother-in-law in pest control. So same thing, you need a Department of Ag pesticide card. So I hired him with this tree care company, uh, Alpine Tree Care. Still talk to my buddy Steve today. So I just hired him as a ground guy. Because I was already doing tree work, but I, I didn't know it was a profession. Family and friends, hey, can you take this branch off for me? Man, ladders or whatever, I get the branch down. Mm-hmm. I didn't know rigging and rope and saddle and none of that. And then until I hired in with Alpine Tree Care. But I hired in as a ground guy, getting in the business, learning professional arboriculture. And Steve and Paul were great. They were very big into education, very big into um, under your wing, talking to you, explaining stuff. But they found out that I had a green applicator's card. What? You got a green? Oh, my God. You better go get 3B on there, which is ornamental in Michigan. Off I went early in my career. Joe, you're going to spray trees today because um, someone didn't show up. I'm like, all right. Take the spray rig. I says, what do I spray? I says, spray everything but uh, Alberta spruces today. I'm like, what, what's an Alberta spruce? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's not a lot of them out there. Just go do it. And that's how I got into plant health care. But um, believe it or not, it was – I love the fact that if I didn't know what it was, and this is before cell phones and I would have to pop a twig off and put it in the truck and go home and read my Michigan trees books and try to identify it. And that's what it takes. And that's why you are where you are today as as you've built out your full career. But it started with that. It started with the interest. You've got to, you know, you've got to have at least some level of interest or some level of cognitive uh, cognitive ability, I guess, to where you're actually able to tell the difference between a, a spruce and a pine or a maple and an oak. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had climbers uh, early in my career that couldn't really couldn't decipher one from the other because they were probably technically uh, work for companies where they'd wrap a ribbon around it, take their tree down with a blue ribbon on it. And it you know. Yeah, no, we, we can do that. And, for our listeners, Joe and I aren't saying that you need to go through all the steps that we have over our careers and something I don't, I don't know if I've brought it up before on the episode, but anybody who goes through Wisconsin at Stevens Point through, through the forestry or, or one of the natural resource programs, you have to spend some time at, it's called Tree Haven. And during, during your six or eight weeks during the summer at Tree Haven, you have to learn, pardon me, you get to learn it's something like, it's something silly. It's like just under 400 trees, shrubs, grasses, forbs. You learn by looking at it and identifying key characteristics, the common name and Latin name. And there's this big exam at the end where you, you got to get, you know, whatever it is, th- 380 out of 450 or whatever the number is. You have to get some absurd number right. Wow. And we're not Joe and I aren't saying you have to do that, but at least, you know, maybe learn the top six or eight here in, here in Colorado. We only have six or eight trees that actually grow. <laughs> oh, but it's funny. You're right. Cause you know, it's interesting is that, you know, you go around, you're pumping your chest. I've been doing this for a while. And you always find this one tree. That's like, what is that? 
And that's, then, that's cool. But then you're afraid to ask somebody because you've been doing it for so long. You're supposed to know. But you know, oh, yeah. then you go through that other hump that after you've been there for a while, then you come back on the other side of the tunnel and you're like, they ain't afraid to ask. Like, dude, what is this? Well, and nothing shows, right, nothing shows more of your vulnerability or your willingness to learn than approaching a peer and being like, hey, you know, I, I haven't seen this before. What do you, what do you think it is? And kind of go back and forth. And Joe, you, you and I do this uh, all the time. I know with at least some of our customers is we do a lot of diagnostic, diagnostic work. So some of our customers will send Joe or myself some pictures just going, hey, what do you think this is? People who are way more qualified than us, well, than me, you know. Uh, but, right, you're right. But, but it, it's humbling, though, that there, there can be this level of back and forth because Joe and I have a focus that we're combining, you know, soil science with entomology, with sales, with chemistry, with tree physiology. And pathology, because we don't know if it's an insect disease yet. That's it. And, and pathology. And some of our, the people we work with show us things that either don't happen in our region or we just haven't seen before. So we're always learning. You know, Joe and I are 20, 30 years into this, and we're still learning every day. That's what makes it fun. Yeah, yeah. I, if, like I said, I still think I'm a spring chicken, still think I can climb. But I still love the science side. I still love the... Um, I still love the fact that where we work, we have an opportunity to be part of R and D. We get part of, um, a, a re, being part included on the part of a research project in our area to figure out solutions for you guys. And we, but we're here because we started off with a simple thing as, yeah, I think I, let's give it a go. I, this is, you know, and then I picked up my first branch, my first job I ever went to, I was, there was this guy, John Meller. I don't even know what happened to him. But um, he was about six foot eight, 300 pounds. And the company I worked for, they used to have black Carhartt because Carhartt was big in the industry back then. You know, we talked to, uh, we talked to Bill over at Arborware, another advancement in technology and clothing that we wear. But Carhartt was all you had other than jeans. So he had these black Carhartt pants and he was so big and round. He had his red Carhartt coat. And the dude looked like, I don't know if you guys remember, do you guys remember Kool-Aid? Oh, yeah. out there hey kool-aid and his little picture <laughs> red picture come busting through the wall well this this guy john meller i worked with him my first day on the job as a as a pursuing my career in professional arboriculture 35 some years ago so he's uh, i'm on the job with john meller he was just a good old boy from out in the country and we're flopping this big maple and he's kind of like yeah hey, i think it'll make it in the backyard and i'm thinking thinking so there's three of us on the job. We put a bull rope in it, and we were pulling on it. And that rope started coming. That dude was so scared, he actually ran me over, knocked me down to get out of the backyard because he thought I was going to hit us. I'm in the dirt face down in the brush, just barely misses me. <laughs> and I looked up at him, and then I used a few choice words. I'm like, I guess then I was hooked. And ever since that, I was in it. I've been in it. I was got trampled and killed on the first day, but you know what? Um, I persevered. I stuck with it. I had some great mentors, uh, Steve and Paul, even uh, a good buddy, uh, you know, uh, rest, in, rest in peace, uh, Chuck Irish. Mm. Um, that'd be a great podcast about the Irish family and how they started the industry. But um, I had some great mentors along the way. 
and, and that's what it comes down to. You know, different different age groups, different everything else might have taken that as a sign to leave, no pun intended, the industry. But Joe, what you said and how you wrapped that up is as close as close to perfect. And what we would ask is just be a good mentor. Be safe. Maybe we'll have an episode down the road on what it means to be a good mentor. Maybe that would be a good tribute to um, Mr. Irish and the family. But anybody listening to this episode out there in Discovering Forestry Nation, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for being a good mentor. When you're looking at some of these new hires, maybe it's a new plant healthcare tech or ground tech, just put yourself in their shoes for a little bit and think about how can we really encourage and lift this individual up to where we can change this industry and transform it into a profession. So thank you so much, Joe. Always a pleasure. Yes, sir. Well said. Way to wrap it up, Corey. Great job. You bet. Hey, great topic today. Yes, and lots of good information. Yeah, probably one of our best yet. If you enjoyed the podcast or have topics you would like to discuss, please send them to discoveringforestry at gmail.com. And please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. Thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Joe. And I'm Corey. Signing, Signing out. out.